0: Acts chapter 17 uh, Salted the oats to help the horse drink here And he found the point of contact And uh, he brought them to the Lord Jesus Christ And some responded positively and, and most didn't But he was faithful in his message And then the next time we met We looked at the stage of being curious For the gospel of Jesus Christ Like the woman at the well Who met with uh, the Lord Jesus and she would, she would be someone who uh, wanted to know more about Jesus. And Jesus connected with her and found a point of contact again and showed her how, how he was the true Messiah. He was the living God. And he could provide what her soul thought it wanted, but her soul really needed. And so that's where we uh, met the woman at the well in John chapter 4 is one who is, who is curious. And then we looked in Act, in the book of Acts at a believer, and a believer would be someone who has come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, knows God uh, uh, exists, that He loves me, has put their faith in Jesus' death and resurrection and they want to grow. Uh, they are be, They perhaps need, need to take the next step of baptism of obedience. Uh, they need to be part of a church, but they also need to learn what it means to be a follower, disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, they might not feel uh, comfortable praying or reading the Bible on their own. They don't know what to do or how to start. They need other shepherds, other, other disciple makers to, to help them Grow in the relationship with Christ as a as a disciple, Um, uh, and uh, we looked at the at the Corinthian church in that manner. And then Birch spoke <clears throat> when we looked at uh, Philippians chapter three on those who are uh, uh, those who are disciples and need to press on to grow to know Christ and His resurrection. Um, this is someone who who has has confidence that God can can help them. Uh, 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 grow and helping others grow in their faith um, this is someone who uh, desires to know know more and more about Jesus who when when they are convicted of sin they are repenting of that sin regularly uh, they see their sin more clearly they start to see more and more of what they first believe really is all about what the gospel is all about and how God has put a, a new heart in them and how he has um, how they are in Christ and 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 Christ is in them to give them the power to live his life, and, um, and, and they, need some, they need some prodding, some coaching, uh, but someone who is a disciple of Jesus, it shouldn't be very long before they really don't need much convincing that they need to be a part in helping others. Uh, grow in Christ and be investing to in others. And many times you need someone to model what that discipleship looks like. A simple plan to work with other people. Um, they need to understand that discipling people isn't, isn't necessarily have to be a Sunday school class. It could be just coming alongside and sharing what God's doing in you with somebody else and helping them uh, see answers in God's Word and um, and know that really uh, many times discipling is a is a difficult, messy, messy thing. Sometimes fail. But they're to be faithful in that. And then as I said the last time, two weeks ago, we really looked at 2 Timothy 2, a disciple maker. This is someone who is being fed. This is someone who is uh, 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 also feeding themselves in regular times in God's word and and drawing in his truths and and prayer with the Lord. And they're feeding others. They're feeding others. They they put fear aside. Uh, They... They they know they're going to be nervous when they when they share God's truth, or when they when they try to shepherd others here. But they're going to put that aside, and they're going to obey God. Um, they're gonna they're gonna step up because God's going to help when He asks them to do something. It's a wonderful truth that ever God asks us to do, He always provides the power and the strength. To do, and so they're looking for, for opportunities there, uh, to 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 uh, encourage, to strengthen people. They're praying with people. They're far from perfect. Uh, when the Lord brings up sin, they deal with it in their hearts, and they um uh, they 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 are appreciating more and more God's kindness, and they and and they have a growing burden for people who are living without the the the, the loving kindness of God in Jesus Christ, and growing in that. These are people who help bear the load, bear the load. And they are, they are, um, uh, they are growing in maturity, but they want others to grow maturity as well. So we're not just making disciples, but they're making disciples who make disciples. And so we looked in Second Timothy and we saw from verse, verse 1 there that we're to access the ability in Second Timothy 2 because the Christian life requires strength in God's grace. We're to know the gracious nature of our God and know His Son, who's the vine who's joined to us, and we're to take His grace here by faith and live day by day in His grace. And then we're to multiply the ministry, to multiply the ministry. Because our spiritual impact could be like dominoes falling, and I gave you the example of 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 Edward Kimball, who probably many of you never heard of, but he discipled D.L. Moody as a young boy, and D.L. Moody discipled uh, another another man later on who got saved under his ministry, Wilbur Chapman, and Wilbur Chapman uh, led Billy Sunday to the Lord, and Billy Sunday led a man to the Lord named Mordecai Ham, and Mordecai Ham led Billy Graham to the Lord, and there's a tremendous impact of dominoes here leon uh, was here uh, leon from indiana was here uh, here a couple of weeks and his parents are still here taking their vacation here in Maine at Senebeck Lake. And Leon spoke to me after one of the morning services. He said, there's something that I heard last year, last summer when I was in here about, about investing in other people and, and about making disciples. And Leon's a, t- a school teacher. And Leon uh, began to uh, 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 share more and more of his faith in the limited venue that he could in his classroom. And very... Um, uh, um, uh, discerning ways, and the Lord began using His faithfulness there, and interacting and connecting His life with the lives of some of His students. And Leon is getting more and more involved in His youth um, uh, program at His church. The Lord is using Him, and He said, "And, and He said, uh, God's using you to make di- dominoes fall. Dominoes fall. It's exciting. It's an exciting thing." And we saw that as, 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 uh, Paul was, was all about multiplying leaders. Listen, if Paul wasn't all about multiplying leaders, we would not be here today what he was. He built a team of leaders and 2 Timothy 2.2 is so key and crucial to Paul's ministry. And then he tells Timothy to to fix the focus fix the focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, it's going to demand time. It's going to demand a strength of emotions that you might not have. A physical strength that you're going to need. uh, A financial material resources you're going to have to give the Lord. A lack of public recognition. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be exposed to your own personal inadequacy inadequacies, and weaknesses. But Paul says, live strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. Because it's the farmer who reaps. It's the athlete who competes according to the rules and wins the prize. It's the soldier who pleases the one who who fights for the one who has called him to be a soldier. So then, Paul then points in 2 Timothy 2 to remember Jesus. Remember Jesus' mission. Remember Jesus' promise of reward. And remember... What really matters. And he tells Timothy, keep running and keep reproducing. And so I'd like to direct your attention to this man named Barnabas. Who to me is really the, the quintessential picture here of what it means... Uh, to multiply, to build up Christ's church, to be faithful where you're at for the purpose of Jesus' great commandment to love God and to love others, and Jesus' great commission to make disciples, teaching them to, uh, baptizing them, teaching them to obey whatever He's commanded uh, them to obey. Josiah read for us from Acts chapter 9. Well, that's not where we first see. Barnabas. First thing I'd like you to do is direct you to the meaning of his name. The meaning of his name. What's in a name? Barnabas here. If you turn with me to Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. We'll start there. Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. Now please understand from this message, I'm not asking you to be a Barnabas. I'm asking you to be you. But I'm asking you to be you through the spiritual gifts that God has given you and the power that He's given you by His Holy Spirit. Not one of us can be a Barnabas. Not one of us can be a Paul. Not one of us can be a Donnie or a Mervyn or a Jocelyn or a Josh or a Jason. We're all unique. But we have been given specific gifts that God uses to... And here's the amazing thing. The gifts that He gave us, we're supposed to be offering as gifts to other people. So we're really supposed to be re-gifting what he gives. It's probably the only time you're allowed to re-gift uh, here. But in Acts chapter 4, let me first of all look into the, the name of Barnabas because there's some significant uh, uh, information that tells us more about what kind of man this was. Verse 36. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of Consolation, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So his original name was Joseph. That's what Joseph is in Acts 4.36. But it was from the apostles, the twelve leaders of Jesus, that in the church of Jerusalem that he received this name that we're most familiar with, Barnabas. Because who he was superseded his original name before Jesus. His friends gave him this nickname, this name, because this was who he was. And his name that he was given tells us something about this man. You're told here in the King James translation here, that it's the son of consolation. It can be translated son of exhortation. But the original word is son of paraclesis. Paraclesis. That's a Greek word here that means to summon to one side for help. And those of you who have been Bible students for a while, you might know that that's the name that is given to the Holy Spirit. The paraclete, the comforter, the helper. And that's the name that He's given here. Son of coming alongside to help. Coming alongside. And that's exactly what we're talking about here with Making Disciples. Someone who comes alongside. Now you're going to see pretty soon here an example of this here. But that's, that's the kind of guy who he was. He was an encourager. He was a, someone who built up Christ's church. Whether that was an individual that he would come alongside, or as a group of individuals, or it was a need that there was in the church, he would be there to help build up Christ's church. He had his eyes on the prize here. So, that's what his name means. Um, I wonder how, how uh, um, uh, he would have reacted when the apostles started calling him this. The name, they applied this name to him. He, maybe he felt like maybe you and I might have felt, ooh, I've got to live up to this now. Or maybe he rejoiced at this, at this name he was given, and, and this is the challenge now, by God's grace, and live worthy of this, regardless uh, uh, of what you might think of yourself. I want to tell you that he did, by God's grace, live up to this, though he was not a perfect man. Though he's not a perfect man. Well, what's his background? A little bit of his history. Well, we're told here he's a Levite. That means he's from the tribe of Levi, and he's from the country of Cyprus in verse 36. Um, that means that he was born there of Jewish parents. And that's the country of Cyprus. The island of Cyprus sets off the, 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 the nation of Greece. There are numerous Jews who live there. Um, and he was a Levite, which means he wasn't... Remember, it was the priests who were from the tribe of Levi. But they're also the other Levites, one of their roles was to serve in the temple at Jerusalem here. He apparently had relatives living in Jerusalem. Mary, the mother of John Mark, was his aunt. Um, it seems that Barnabas was a single man. He may have lived with them, and he may have had some temple duties. We're not sure. Um, early writings in church tradition says he may have been one of the seventy that Jesus appointed in Luke chapter ten. We're not sure. Does it matter? But he had a certain uh, a, 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 a certain background here that Luke. Uh, sees is important to include. What kind of character did he have? Well right away, we see in Acts chapter four, verse 37, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. His first appearance in the book of Acts is connected with a heart that has first given himself to the Lord so then he can give the resources that God has given him to the Lord. He's a generous man. He is one who has, a, who, has a, who has a sympathy. He sees a need and he connects with it. Now understand, uh, money wasn't flowing like it does with our checkbooks and dollar bills and coins, uh, uh, like it was in those days. If you want. There's there more of a barter system, and if you wanted cash, you would probably have to sell something to liquidate it in order to get that cash. And so that's what he did. He sells a piece of land in verse 37, and the reason He sold the land, we're told earlier in the passage and earlier in Acts chapter 2, is because when there were needs that were known in the church of individuals, or the church together had a particular need, people would give of their own resources in this way in order to contribute to that need, following the ways of Jesus. So he saw the need, and he acted on it, and he sold the property that he had, and he brought the money, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. It's pretty interesting in chapter 5 that there's a couple here who is in contrast to Ananias and Sapphira. They did not have a, a, a heart that, that uh, was looking for God's honor, but their own honor. And, and so Luke here is showing that his, his heart is pure before the Lord. He's a contributor to the poor. He had, a, he had a stewardship rather than an ownership view of property, someone has said. He had a, a love, uh, a willingness. He was willing to sacrifice for the good of others. That's what marks this man Barnabas who builds up the church. And that's what marks up any disciple maker, any person involved in building up the church. They have a a, a love-prompted willingness to sacrifice for the good of others. And so he voluntarily shares his material means and he gives an illustration of what verse 33 says in that chapter. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great Mega is the word. Mega grace was upon them all. What an illustration of this. What an illustration. He was a contributor to the poor. He was generous. He was generous. He had possessions. He sold his land, brought the money, and contributed to it. And then I want to take turn your attention to what Josiah read this morning in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Because this is where he comes up again. He had an eye for people that did not look at people primarily with eyes of suspicion. That did not look at people with, hmm, what's wrong with that person? That was not quick to put a label on people. You know what happens when you put a label on people? You don't have to talk to them. You think you know where they are, right? You don't need that conversation. It squelches the welcoming, opening community of Jesus Christ. But not this man Barnabas. How welcoming was he? Well, I want you to see that Barnabas was a risk taker for God's kingdom. He was a risk taker for God's kingdom. When he saw Saul, his immediate response may have been in his heart to put up walls, but he pushes past that and he takes a risk on Saul. And we are here today because Barnabas took a risk on Saul. Because later on we read that Saul, who became Paul, travels with Barnabas, and the Gospel spreads throughout the world. And however you want to draw those links to, and however you want to connect those dots, the point is that God uses people here who invest in the lives of other people, regardless of how their emotions might feel, for the sake of His kingdom. God does powerful things with that. You know why? Because it's a step of faith. And faith is a great thing in the eyes in the eyes of God. In the sight of God, He honors and rewards great faith. Look what it says in Acts chapter nine. And you know, in verse one, this is where Saul. We're introduced to Saul after the stoning of Stephen again. And he's verse one says he's breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. And he's on a journey to Damascus, and God meets him there. And Saul repents of who he is and puts his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God tells Saul in verse 15, Go your way, for he is a chosen vessel to me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And he goes to Ananias, and Ananias is little tentative but he obeys god in faith just like barnabas will do and look what happens in chapter 9 and verse 26 this was in damascus and eventually saul or paul needed to go to jerusalem and verse 26 says and when saul was come to jerusalem you say he desired to enjoy to join himself to the disciples that's that's, that's what disciples do Join with other disciples. They, they connect with the church. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Notice the word that, that Luke uses in verse 27. They were afraid, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, and disputed or uh, debated against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Now, here's what you see about Barnabas. Here's him proving himself to be a son of encouragement. A son of consolation, a builder upper, a, a, a helper here. And he courageously befriends this man who before was a was a killer of, of, of the Christians, and he appears in Jerusalem here and and he's and this is about probably three years after he came to Christ, he appears in Jerusalem and he and he desires to join himself to the disciples as as one of the disciples of Jesus Christ, and they're afraid of him. They're afraid of him. And probably in a sense, right? At least so, right? They had heard uh, reports about his conversion. Uh, they, they, they probably were trying to figure out what I know about Saul. That's really hard for me to swallow that he's become a Christian here. And they feared that he might be a wolf in sheep's clothing, Right? That, that he might be just uh, putting on a certain face so that he can um, uh, uh, infiltrate their ranks here. But God in His great wisdom and His great gift of a person like Barnabas gave one man in the Jerusalem church who had this charitable spirit and the faith in God to believe that God does great things in people. You can imagine this. That when Paul got to Jerusalem and he felt some of the coldness, some of the suspicion, could feel some of those walls being built up and the closeness here. That would have been a humbling experience to Saul, I'm sure, here. But God was so kind to give him Barnabas, this needed friend, here in a crucial hour. Verse 27, Barnabas took him and he brought him to the apostles. He brought him to the apostles. Barnabas vouches for him. And the result, because one man take, takes a step of faith, he lets his, his strength in God and his trust in God and his trust in who God is and what God says he will build his church, he lets that dissolve some of his own prejudices here. God does great things, and pretty soon what you notice is that Saul is multiplying and reproducing what has been taught him. In verse 29, you see, it wasn't like it was all of a sudden that Barnabas said, you know what, I'm going to be this kind of person. Barnabas had a track record of this, didn't he? But you know what? I'm sure that track record started one day. And whenever your track record is of your warmth to the things of Jesus, there can always be a day where that begins. And Barnabas... Continued in that, and he seems to have this kind of uh, uh, of trait and character quality of finding the good in people and thinking about what God can do with that good in people. You see that later with John Mark. I think Paul had legitimate reasons to not not take John Mark on a high risk, uh, a high qualification uh, mission later on in the chapter or later on in the book. But Barnabas said, "Here's what God can do with him." Here's what he can do with him. And when it's, the story is all written and finished, what we find out is because of Barnabas' investment in John Mark as well, that Paul says, send John Mark to me next time. He's profitable for the ministry. He's profitable. And friends, we need to take our eyes and make sure they are not looking at people like the world looks at people. The world looks at people and looks at five different reasons why they're different from us. Or five different reasons why they think differently from us and then why these certain walls need to be built up. And I'm not saying there aren't walls that should be put up between good and evil here. But there's a difference between that and looking at what God can do and being members of His redemptive work in the lives of people. We're to be instruments in the hands of a Redeemer, someone has said. Because we are broken instruments that he, has, he is making whole, we're to be continually involved as tools and instruments. In his hand to be used in the lives of other people. And Barnabas has that. He has this rare gift here of, of, of insight that, that he gets beyond the surface and he, and, he, and, he, and he connects with another soul here. And he's courageous in, in the face of, prop, uh, of the popular uh, uh, judging and prejudices. He's courageous to say, no, by God's grace and by God's strength, I'm going to do what I know God told me to do and that's to love others and invest in others. Powerful. I also want you to see he's faithful He's the one who comes alongside of Paul Just like his name But he's also faithful Because when you get to Acts chapter 11 A couple chapters later Something has happened In the Mediterranean world That has reached outside of the Jerusalem church You see there were, there were more and more Gentiles Who were being saved In a Syrian city called Antioch and the apostles are hearing about this news that's going on in chapter 11 and verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phenis or Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch preaching the word to none but to the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene which when they were come to Antioch spoke to the Grecians preaching to the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then tidings of these things came to the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Who sent them? The church of Jerusalem. Oh, wait, wait, wait. There's a lot of people in the church of Jerusalem, right? We know at least and 12. Why did they send Barnabas? Why did they send Barnabas? Well... Verse 23 says, Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God... I think that's why they sent Barnabas. There are people who can see beyond the physical and see the grace of God. There are people who see signs of God's grace in His work. There are people who notice that and they want to stir that. They want to be involved in that. The the grace of God is like a honey and they're like a bee and they just want to go right to that and they want to be involved in God's work. Barnabas is one of these people. When he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all. There's, By the way, that's his name, exhorted. That with purpose of heart, they would cling to the Lord. For He was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith and many people were added to the Lord after His ministry. Through his ministry. So a great many came to the Lord, and a great many, when they said Barnabas, were added to that. It's amazing. Oh, his assignment was, he went to investigate and report back, but it seems that he felt, i got to get involved here and disciple and see more of this go on here. And he saw the grace of God. He saw God's grace operating in the lives of Jews and Gentiles. He knows this is, this is, this is genuine here. And he, he came, he saw, and he, and he triumphs in God's tremendous loving kindness here among the Gentiles. And remember, he's supposed to go back and report to him. He must have sent some in the report back because he had to stay. He had to stay so much because verse 25 says, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught many people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. In Antioch. So here's, here's, here's what's happening here. He's actively entered into the work. He takes responsibility initiative. He doesn't say, well, somebody else should do this. Somebody else should do that. He sees the need. He already knows God's working. He's going to stir those flames and say, God, use me as you can. That's a man who makes disciples who makes disciples. And he, and he realizes the day came where he, he, the work had grown and he felt he could, he could, he could not shepherd this unaided he needed, to find, he needed to find help. And he thinks back of Paul, who had been gone for 10 years, active as a missionary and around his native Tarsus. And he goes to Tarsus, he finds Paul, and he persuades him to go back with him in Antioch and help him with his ministry. That tells me that Barnabas is an unselfish leader, he realizes his limitations. He realizes what God can do through pastoral teams. He realizes that the growth of the work needed to continue on that same trajectory, and he doesn't want it to level off. He wants God to use him. and so he thinks about Saul. There's this guy Saul. He's got to be the. He's. He, he's, he's he, we got to find him in verse twenty-five. That word um, translated a. Uh, um, uh, seek in verse twenty five there is used searching of used of searching for human beings with an implication of difficulty. With difficulty. It was hard to find Saul. Saul was deep in enemy territory. And he finds him. He finds him. And he brings him to Antioch. And he sponsors Saul and he gives him opportunity. He's willing to share leadership here. And the results are they have a very fruitful year in the work at Antioch. They reach much people. And this is where Christian as the title is first applied. There's many other things I could show you. He was a bearer of a relief to um, uh, the, the church at Jerusalem in verses twenty seven through twenty nine and he was dependable, he was focused in mission. They're in that church in Antioch. They have a pastoral team of five, five prophets and teachers are ministering the church in Antioch there. And, and, uh, and he, he has a, he has a focus. And then in Acts chapter 13, you find out that, that the Holy Spirit says, No, I got more work for you beyond borders. So he wants to see Christ's kingdom advance. He is, he's a champion of Gentile liberty. He is free because remember, he's got eyes that can see God's grace. And he understands God's grace means that Gentiles don't need to live in Jewish customs And men's traditions And so he fights a champion of that He was a man serious about Christ's church Wasn't he? Building up Christ's church There are lots of other things I could show you this morning here But lack of time I just want to to challenge you here We've been working through this series here of stages And maybe you would say I want to get serious here and discuss what's next in my path of discipleship. And I'm somebody who's curious about Jesus, but I know I haven't made that commitment to Jesus Christ and received what he's given me. I'm curious about Jesus' message. I wouldn't consider myself a believer yet. I want to explore. I want to find more answers to my questions. And I'm willing to have an open ear and talk about that. That describes you. I'd love to get in touch with you, or get in, and help, or help you get in touch with someone who is, uh, 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 could 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 help you answer those questions. Or maybe you say I'm a, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, but I feel like I don't feed myself. I depend on others to find my food, and um, I, I really don't know how to grow in my faith, and I need someone to come alongside and help me grow friends, that's why Jesus' church exists and that's why we have people with various gifts who will be able to connect with you as well. Get in touch. Or you'd say, well, I'm spending time with Jesus on my own rather faithfully. I'm growing, but I want to learn to help others grow. I want to learn what it is to be an instrument in the Redeemer's hands helping other people grow as instruments in the Redeemer's hands. Or maybe some of you are actively or already involved in discipling or coming alongside of other people, but you need some encouragement or you need some, uh, you need some uh, additional training or you want some extra resources and, and, and you know God has, 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 has used you as a disciple maker. and uh, whatever, Wherever you are, where are you? Assess where you are. Assess where you are. Because Jesus always wants us by His grace and resting in Him to take that next growth, the next step of growth. And we talk about the Great Commission. The Great Commission are Jesus' last words, aren't they? As far as His time on this earth. But friends, the reasons they are His last words are because they are our first priority. Our first task here. Um, Jesus, remember in that Great Commission, He said, all authority is with Him and He is with you. In other words, He I am the King of the universe and the King is with you. And do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, a couple years before he ascended? He said, You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things that people worry about will be added to you. See, I found with my life and Jesus' mission that. I initially approached it as it's my life or Jesus' mission. There's a sense where that's true. But I felt like they were two separate things. And then I began to understand a little bit more and understood it's, well, it's not my life or could it be my life and Jesus' mission? So I added things to my life or Jesus' mission. But more and more, the Lord's revealing to me that it's The life He gave me on His mission. On His mission. And many times I don't need to add more things to my life, but honestly I need to step back and say, okay, what is the clutter and the weight that's hanging on to me that's keeping myself from doing what He asked me to do? And this particular task of being a disciple maker. What if you did this? What if all of us did this? we thought of ourselves as a missionary who is part of a local church, sent out of a local church, South Hope Community Church. You have a job. You may be a salesman, a social worker, a healthcare professional, a receptionist, a contractor, a supervisor, a manager, a retail worker, a welder, a retiree, law enforcement, business owner, fisherman, secretary, etc. to support your needs. But your full-time job is that you are never off duty on this. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ and you operate with His kingdom's values, with His kingdom's interests, for the sake of His kingdom's mission to expand His kingdom. What would it be like if every single one of us, kids down to Eliza's age, all the way up to... Who's the oldest person in the room? <laughs> all the way up to the, to, 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 to the aged person in this room. Okay? What would it be like to always remember and reverse the way we describe ourselves and instead of saying, I'm a salesman, etc., electrician, housewife, grandmother, say, what would it look like to be a part of Jesus' body? Filling this role He's provided for me to influence people for the kingdom in my actions and my words for the sake of making disciples leveraging the stewardship responsibilities that God's given you in whatever area He's given you for the sake of His work. Now, the very first step in that is deciding that that's true. Believing that it's true. Do you believe that you and I were saved to reproduce? Do we believe that? And if we believe this, will we pray and will we take the next step? Our church has a wonderful history. God has given many uh, men and, and, and women and laborers over the years who have invested tremendous teaching. I like looking back at the old annual reports in the filing cabinet, and I remember reading uh, one in 1984 or whatever, and Ray Colburn's uh, report there, the usher report, and and, uh, and uh, the. Uh, the, the logistics uh, here of having to navigate because things were getting a little cramped and having to figure out how to how to sort that out. And God has given us a tremendous history. So many people have labored in various ways and invested in our lives and so many of you have invested in the lives of other people in a variety of ways. Um, and some of this, obviously, I haven't observed with my own eyes only coming in 2008, but the stories that I've heard of um, taking in uh, 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 kids who, who, uh, who needed a place to stay and investing in them. Um, bus ministry all the way down to Rockland back in the day. Where's Ronnie? Ronnie's not here today. Ronnie is the last member of that bus ministry as as I understand it. Um, Tremendous ways that God used relationships and God used many of you in intersecting the lives of other people. And isn't it awesome and wonderful to build on that foundation? To build on this wonderful heritage and history that we have? To continue to be faithful today? Continue to build up and hear Him say, well done. That through the power of God's great love and His grace shown to you, ask, Lord, what is the next step in faithfulness to you? And what is that that Jesus is telling you today? Barnabas was a kingdom builder. Barnabas built up Jesus' church. He gave His resources. He gave His time. He gave His investments. And I'm not telling one person in this room to be a Barnabas But I am saying, by the authority of the Word of God, assess how God has gifted you. Assess where you are in your stages here. And by God's grace, take the next spiritual step to make disciples who make disciples. Let's pray.